Welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Krista. And we're your hosts, guides, and friends on this path. Almost 30 is not about your age. It's about the feeling. All of us are almost something, seeking community and resources to support the rumblings of transformation within us. Our conversations are deep dives, shepherded by our insatiable curiosity and desire for connection, enduring inspiration, and a sense of levity that we can all benefit from. We're looking to find the magic in the human experience. Buckle up, baby. Your evolution is waiting. Hello and welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hello, sweet friends. It's Linz. It's Krista. And this is a special episode. We were really inspired to create very topic-focused collections for you all. So if you're new to the show, this is not necessarily how we do every episode or structure every episode, but we get DMs upon DMs asking about various topics. And so we collected all of those topics and wanted to curate a few clips from episodes from some of our favorite experts and teachers and leaders in various spaces. So you can just get your fill. Yeah, I love because it's like the best of the best from episodes that we've done over the years with some of our favorite guests. And then it's really the most powerful and potent teachings. So if you're listening to this episode, you're going to get some really insightful, actionable support or insight for yourself on sex. This is the topic for this week. It's called Demystifying Sex. It's an Almost 30 collection from some of our favorite teachers and friends. And it's just really, really good. I was listening to the clips and I was like taking my own notes, even though I had been on the conversation. It's such a good reminder too, if you've already listened to these episodes to come back to these points, because sometimes things hit us differently depending on where we are in our lives. I think I really realized that over the past couple of years that I've heard of topics or I've heard of cliches or certain things. And until it really hits you from a cellular level, it just doesn't really resonate the same. So it might hit you differently this time around that you hear it than it did before. And especially when it comes to sex, I feel like oh, yeah. sometimes it just rolls right off people. And they're like, uh-uh, I'm not, what, a, uh, la, 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 <laughs> like they don't mm-hmm. really hear it. But it is a topic, like one of the top topics here in our community that people are interested in and want to talk about. And I'm not surprised, you know, we are sexual beings and sex is so much more than just being physical in that way with another person. You know, how do we harness our own sexual energy? What does that mean? Like, how can we leverage that? What does that look like? It's really a powerful topic. And today we're going to be hearing from Sex with Emily, Emily Morse. We had such a fun convo with Emily. And in this particular clip, we're going to be talking about how society influences sex. So I'm sure I am not the only one who at one point was totally performative with sex and was not actually (laughs) present and in my body and feeling anything (laughs) and was only thinking about how I could be what I saw in movies or just like kind of be that, I don't even know, like not even dominatrix. I don't even know who I am. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm like girl riding bull. Like I don't know. Dude. Yeah. What? It's weird because I've never seen a porn in my life. And I don't know where even the images about sex I've gotten have been. So I would love to do a little subconscious deep dive on my own and be like, where did I even get those images? 
was it like Victoria's Secret models? Like their looks maybe? And I guess the lingerie because I was like a definitely a lingerie yeah. wearer. You know where it was? Oh, my God. What is that movie with like Stifler and his mom? Oh, see, I'm like so. It's American Pie. American Pie. I, yeah. I, not that I was wearing whip, whipped cream bikinis, but just like. I don't even know. Like, I don't even know in the media where I've gotten my MTV, ideas of that performative nature. Maybe, actually. You maybe. remember those, like, really... I remember, like, sneaking watching that. Wow. Because, like, they would be doing, like... they Like, it was raunchy. They'd it was be, raunchy. like, humping on stage. I remember in college, I went to one spring break with, like, a group, and I was, like, horrified. I was unwell. Even back then, I was like a little prudy, kind of. I was just like, oh, my God, this doesn't seem right. This seems uncomfortable. They don't, you know, I just, totally. oh, that whole thing. Not that I wasn't doing my own. I'm not perfect for sure. But, yeah, that stuff is horrifying. Just like the spring break stuff or like the Girls Gone Wild stuff. I think mm-hmm. there was a documentary on Netflix about how dark that actually was. And how most of them are underage. Of course they were. What do you mean? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> oh my God. I saw the funniest meme. And it was, I can't even describe it, but basically the gist of it was me going into chat rooms when I was like 12 years old, acting <laughs> like I was a grown adult. And I'm like, oh my gosh, me and my friends in Ohio did that for entertainment for years. We would go into weird sex chat rooms and like do ASL. And I was like, I'm 18. I'm a female. I live in California. I drive a Jetta. And like, I would have my whole like fantasy of what I, oh my God, which is so weird because I just had a Jetta as my car. But um, it's so it's weird. It's actually a manifestation have, portal. It is actually, <laughs> yes. Gay bear chats were the ones we'd go in and we had no idea what was going on. And just like, we didn't even know about sex. We didn't even know about anything, but we'd be in gay bear chats for, for like hours and hours. Wait, just like, what? no, I swear it was always gay bear chats because I think they were like the easiest ones to get into or something like. And probably li- like the least stakes because they're kind of like, yeah, they're hey, ha- we're like not... we're just having fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Emily also talks about having hard conversations and communicating when it comes to sex, whether it's with a partner or someone that you're being intimate with and just how we can become better communicator she has a really great way of remembering tone turf and timing the three t's so she goes into that and then we have dr kate who is incredible she talks about the nervous system and sex which is really important i think i've been doing a lot of nervous system work as it relates to my pleasure lately and nervous system work as it relates to sex and for me that's really connecting the body feeling safe in the body so we explore that with her we talk about the connection with our body and sex how can we actually feel and be in our body to enjoy and receive pleasure. We talk about disassociation, and this has to do with sexual trauma. This has to do with some experiences in life, what happens when we dissociate. We talk about women and the trend that it seems like we're having in our culture that women are less interested in sex, what's going on there. So if you're someone that has a low libido or you find yourself not interested in sex, this could be something that helps you. We talk about women not seeing sex as something that's for them and the performative aspects. We also talk about how it's just kind of seen as something that's just for the man, kind of like got to just do it for him, not always doing it for you. You know, men desire sex more than women, kind of those ideas that we have around it. And then also expectations around sex, which I think is huge. And I think whether it's subconscious or conscious, we have so many different expectations that we live with around sex that we are dealing with on a daily basis. Love Dr. Kate. And then we have Shan 
Kudrum. So Shan has been on the show a couple times. She's a, a dear friend and just such a expert and leader in the space. I'm sure you all know Shan Boudram. If you don't, please check her out. But in this clip, she is going to be talking to us about not taking things personally in the bedroom. I think it's such a vulnerable space to be in, quote, the bedroom with someone mm. and be in such a vulnerable position, both like physically and also energetically. And so how do we kind of overcome our own self-talk and insecurities, especially if someone is wanting to communicate honestly with us and not taking it personally and really taking it as an opportunity to improve both of our experiences. And then we talk about men and women having different preferences. So she shares about her personal preference around pregnancy sex. We talk about period sex. There's all these different preferences that I think we need to demystify and talk about and talk about like the joy and pleasure in many different types of sex and pleasure. And then we also talk with Shan about honest communication. So it's going to be a juicy one. It's going to be a juicy one. So you can find Emily Morris at Sex with Emily. You can find Dr. Kate at modernintimacy.com. And you can find Shan Booty on the Lovers and Friends podcast or her Instagram at Shan Booty. Enjoy this Almost 30 collection on the topic of demystifying sex. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Oh, therapy, y'all. I don't know. I just, I don't know what I did before therapy, to be completely honest with you. I think I was kind of a mess, but you know, found it when I was meant to, but I have been going to therapy for about six years now, which is so crazy. So crazy, but it has changed my life and I will continue to invest in therapy for as long as I can. I feel like it has totally, totally made my relationships better, made my career better. I am a better mom. I am a better wife. I'm a better friend. I'm a better daughter and sister. Y'all, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do, this is it. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you get matched and you're like, yeah, not quite a fit, they make it easy and it's free to change. But I've had a lot of friends try BetterHelp and love it. So I really, really encourage you to start therapy. It's been the best decision I've ever made for myself. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash almost 30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash almost 30. I am juggling quite a bit lately. <laughs> I have a new baby, um, six months in, and uh, we are finishing our book and running a business and a marriage and a house. And um, it's just a lot, but everything is all good and just my dream, but it's a lot. But I have found that if my health 
routine is on point, then everything runs smoothly. And one huge piece of that routine is my supplementation. And Symbiotica has just always been a constant in my routine. Uh, If you haven't heard of Symbiotica, they're a health and wellness company that does everything with intention. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like I know them. (laughs) Shervine has been on the podcast many times. I just have seen how passionate, how incredibly intelligent, how dedicated he is to creating products um, that are clean, plant-based, without toxic or harmful chemicals, which we need more of that in the world. Um, So let me just run you through what I'm taking. Um, I take the vitamin D3 K2. It's the liposomal form. I just squirt 12 little pumps in my mouth every single morning. I also take their B12. Um, I'm also obsessed with the liposomal vitamin C. I have these little packets whether it's winter or whatever season, it's obviously great for immunity, but it also um, is amazing because it has biotin, one of nature's most beautifying ingredients. Uh, So I've seen an improvement in my skin, hair, and nail growth as well. I do have mom brain, um, but I'm doing my best to just support my brain health in any way. So for brain health, focus, and memory, I really love taking their liposomal magnesium L-threonate. It's an innovative form of magnesium that is able to cross the blood-brain barrier. It supports brain health, mood, immune system function, and overall well-being. It's incredible and tastes amazing. It's like this yummy vanilla cream flavor. That's the thing with uh, Symbiotica products. They taste unbelievable. So it really makes taking all of these supplements so easy, so yummy. And I actually look forward to it. So if you want to give Symbiotica a try, there is no better time. Right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Use our code almost 30, 20% off site-wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh, you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code almost 30 for 20% off site-wide. Communication is everything. It's so crazy how so little people, and I'm saying this for me as someone that's trying my best to be the best communicator that I can in relationship, we're not taught to communicate. We just shut down, especially about sex. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever, until my recent relationship, talked about sex at all. Like what you like, what I like, what your previous history is, like what we want to do together. And I think Lindsay and I both can agree, we talked about this before, but our sex at first was very performative. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. know if that was part of our culture or the way that we grew up, but it was all for their pleasure. Mm -hmm. And it was all for basically, from my perspective, what they would say or think about me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, she's a freak. She's these things. <laughs> she's these things. But it was never like that I needed to enjoy this or be in my body or even orgasm for mm-hmm. a lot of my life. And I feel so much for women because we've been just so, you know, robbed of pleasure for mm-hmm. so long. And I think most of my like adult pleasure has come from or started with that conversation, even like well before we get to the bedroom, it's like I get turned on like when we're having even a conversation about our intimacy or what we desire, what we like. And I didn't know that was possible. I think I'm someone as like a former people pleaser that I was thinking so much about my questions or my inquiries and how they might make the other person feel insecure Mm -hmm. or might make them feel uncomfortable that I would just lead with my body and just get mm-hmm. into that more yeah. performative state rather than having a more grounded conversation mm-hmm. so that we're actually having sex with like a partner like yes. rather than just yeah. transactionally yeah. exchanging. Exactly. Yes. 
That's exactly it. So how can people be better communicators? If we're talking about this, us three, as people that know the benefits of communication and know how powerful it is in the bedroom and outside of it, how can people communicate more with their partners so that they can get what they want out of sex? That's, that's a good question. I mean, I would say communication is a lubrication, just so you know that the more you learn to tackle this communication stuff and really get comfortable with it, your sex life will absolutely improve. And I think the first thing is getting very comfortable with yourself first. So the, what are the messages I was telling myself, right? So I had to look at what are my internal messages around around sex, around communication. For example, like you, if I talk to my partner about sex, it's going to make them uncomfortable. They're not going to feel good about it. It's sort of on my own to figure out everything. Also, what was society conversations around sex? A lot of us learn about sex through like a lot of the negative conditioning or the wrong conditioning because a lot of sex is unlearning comes from porn. Mm -hmm. Again, not bashing porn. There's some really good things about porn, but some of it's like, that's the only way we're seeing sex. And my body doesn't look like that. The way I orgasm isn't like that. The way, you know, if I orgasm at all. And so I had to like unlearn. I had to think about, you know, what are the messages? So I had to go through that whole internal process. And then I just had to start practicing talking to partners about sex and finding partners who had a growth mindset around sex. And they're still hard to find. So when you said you just started, I mean, honestly, like, I'm going to say it, the majority of people do not have healthy conversations around sex until there's a problem. And even then, it's so hard to talk about. Think about everything else in our relationship. If it's like money, finances, are we going to have kids? Should we live in the city or country? Should we, how we can decorate the home? Are we going on summer break? Whatever it is, but we like sex is just like this thing that's shrouded in mystery. We hope we figure it out. So the conversations around sex are just a practice and they are sometimes very hard to have for sure. For me, it's been a little bit easier because most people I'm dating, they know what I do. But I think for a lot of my listeners, too, I realize that they just, it's hard at first, like everything that we've never done. But they're just like, sometimes they blame me. Like I listen to Sex with Emily or they listen to the show together. A lot of couples have emailed me and said, we're DM me and said, we listened to you for 15 hours because it's a language. It's a language of, it, I try to normalize the sex conversation for people because once you start talking about it, you can't stop. But getting over that hurdle, it's like starting any new kind of habit, your healthcare, getting healthier, exercise, whatever. So with sex, it's normalizing the fact that it's something that you can talk about. So how that looks is I would say the basic conversation, the place to start is the three T's of communication, which is timing, tone, and turf. And by the way, these three T's are great for any awkward conversation that you have with a partner, but specifically with sex. The timing is really important. So you want to find a time when you are you are in a more relaxed state. You're not angry. You're not like, you didn't take out the trash and you haven't gone down on me in six months. It's about <laughs> the timing is when I would say you're not hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. You're not halt. You're in a place where you think you, it's conducive of a conversation. And the tone is curious and it's open. And it's really just, hey, I thought we should have this conversation about something about sex and hope you'll be open to follow along with me. And just to be, again, it's curious. It's not judging. It's not blaming. It's not shaming. And the turf is outside the bedroom. Believe it or not, a lot of people think, well, I'm having sex. This is a great place to have it. You know, when we're cooking, we think like something goes wrong with the recipe, but we're going to talk about the ingredients in the kitchen. But in the bedroom, you're usually in a heightened state and it's just, it might be a frustration. Sex isn't happening or it wasn't happening the way you want it to. So wait for time when you are walking, you are driving the car because it's really awkward. I want to acknowledge that it is awkward, uncomfortable for many people. So if you're driving, you're not making eye contact, 
And I have to say it works. Like my partner and I, we were walking the dogs the other night. He's like, so thought we should talk about this thing. And I was like, God, he listens to me. Like, he's right. Yeah. Like, I wasn't really in the mood right now, but I can't complain. We're not looking at each other. We're walking the dogs. Okay, what do you want to say, babe? So it was like, it totally, it was, we were calm. We were moving our bodies. Yeah. So, so it is important. a great time to talk about it. Huge. So important. We'll take walks when we have to have like hard conversations with each other. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's so nice to keep that energy flowing. Mm-hmm. And also there's something, and I don't know the science behind it, but where I'm able to be more in my heart and less in my mind because I think having the environment around you, moving your body, and also not looking at a person's eyes is super helpful for feeling into what I'm feeling rather than being so consumed with how they might be taking what I'm saying. I wonder if that's like a co-regulation thing or something because if we were looking at each other, I wonder if I'd be picking up on your Mm -hmm. you too much where I'd be like trying to co-regulate with you Instead yeah. of being in my own experience mm-hmm. and you being in your own experience. But yeah, I didn't know about turf until we've done that accidentally, not knowing it was turf. And that was such a game changer where I'm like, wow. Because my thought was growing up that we need to be sitting across from each other at yeah. dinner, mm-hmm. holding each other's hands or like just, okay, I need to talk to you. And it was almost like principal student type thing. But just taking the pressure off of having it feel like it has to be so serious or perfect or just like where it can be something that it is like in the car, like, hey, I want to talk about this. Just taking that pressure off of it is huge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's casual. casual it's light. Yes. I mean, I really want to make it like, hey, so we should talk about like, let's talk about the sex we had last night. Like, let's talk about what we're going to do this weekend. Like, we have a weekend away. Like, my partner and I went away. Like, what, sh- what toys should I bring? Like, what should we do? Like, making it light, even if it doesn't feel that way. I get it. But I get it. Just you want a partner that's going to be a great collaborator in this. And eventually it will feel that way. On this communication piece, if someone has a desire that they're a little nervous to share with their partner, how would you recommend that they bring it up in a way that the partner can receive and also that they can remain really in their body and in their truth? Mm, Yeah, it's a really good question. So if you start with these, you found the environment and the turf and the town. I think it's realizing that knowing that it's something that's a little bit uncomfortable for you is good to know that. And then making sure that you've already talked about or that it's just sort of, it's a conversation and not a monologue. It's a dialogue that you're sharing the conversation with them, but saying, I really want to be open and talk to you about our sex life using the I statements and sharing what it is that's making you feel uncomfortable, sharing why, like sharing, it's more like the who, what, where, why. Maybe it's you want to share a fantasy, let's say, that you've been wanting to try. It could be like, I want to talk to you about something. I hope you'll be able to listen right now. It's something I've had this fantasy for a while. It's it's something that I saw in porn or a friend told me about. And then you want to share why you're sharing it. You know, it could be like, okay, let's say you want to have sex in public, let's say. You could say, okay, well, I think this is a fantasy I once saw in porn. And I think that it would be, tell me why, it would be really hot to have other people watching us. And I think for it would really help our relationship and us go stronger because it would be a shared experience. And I think it'd be really hot to see, have other people see what I see in you. Just, okay. And I think we could kind of collaborate on this. What do you, I keep using the word collaboration because I realize so much of sex, we realize we have to solve on our own. So I just want yeah. to say that you are not alone yeah. in your second. And this is just basic communication. Have your partner, like it's called the Imago theory. Can they repeat back to you what they heard? Okay, so what I hear you say is that you have a fantasy, and I know that you've been feeling maybe some embarrassment and shame around it, but what you'd like to do is have sex outside with people watching, and then you get a chance to say, is that correct? Is that what I hear? And then you could say, 
yes to that, but I don't think it's necessarily outside. It would actually be inside, but there'd be other people there. And then you mm-hmm. get to, okay, so say it again. And this might sound tedious, but I really think it's the best way we can learn to communicate with each other in all areas of our life to be great listeners. Yes. We're not just talking, but happy. And then you kind of solve for that. And also, when we're talking about something like our sex life, which can be so delicate and so fraught with a lot can come up for us, trauma, embarrassment, shame, imposter syndrome, all the things that come up that you don't have to have it all at once. It's okay to say, we cover this for today and let's come back to it next week or when we feel great. The other thing is, if you have some like really big thing you want to talk about and you've never talked to your partner, which I feel like that's most people, you don't have to say it all at once. You can start with, I just want to test the waters here. Are you interested in talking more about our sex life? I want you to know that I've never done this before with a partner and I'm hoping that you can join me. I was listening to this wonderful podcast. I realized something we've never done. And then you can see if your partner's game, are they down? And you have to remember that when we're having these conversations about sex, it's good to know that your partner might go on the defensive because it's most people have never talked about sex. They might immediately go to, what have I done wrong? I'm not a great lover to you. You don't love my body. My penis is problematic. My body's, whatever it is, they might go on the defensive. So I think you have to say, I'm not upset. Matt, I just think it's something that together we could really learn to be great lovers. And you might have to calm them a few times and just say, would you be open to it? And let's see what they say. And then you come back to it again. You come back to it again. When you keep talking, you keep learning, you keep growing. But again, I want to say, once you get to the other side of it and you clear the runway of all the stress, trauma, shame, and these are the pleasure thieves, as I call them, you clear those out, then you really make room for pleasure. Yeah. And that's what your sex life should be about. Not so much suffering. Yes. Okay, I need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app, um, Superhuman. I have been doing these superhuman activations every single morning for the last three weeks. Let me just tell you, I kind of fell off of my game after I had the baby. Most of my time and energy was going to him. It still is, but I have been able to carve out time in the morning before I get into the swing with him. And I've been doing these activations. I do a lot of the shorter ones because I don't have a ton of time. But let me just say, this is new. Like, this is a new type of audio that um, are super energizing and really specifically designed to transform you into your future self. So I know a lot of us want to manifest things. I know a lot of us are thinking about planning for the future, um, but a lot of us feel stuck. And so I've just felt like this has unstuck me in just the most beautiful way. So I've been doing a lot of their pep talks. I've been doing some of their writing activations. Uh, This morning I did the three morning questions. It was a seven minute, really vibey writing activation that I love. So I had my journal out. Um, Yesterday, I did a pep talk uh, about tackling procrastination. There's a part of me that procrastinates quite a bit. So I'm just... I love this. I love this. There's going to be an activation for you for this moment, for this day. Uh, It's incredibly supportive. So 
We actually interviewed Mimi Bouchard, the founder, not too long ago. Check out that interview. Uh, And we have a sample of one of the activations on our feed. So you can check that out as well. It's way easier to implement into your routine and far more effective than any other audio app out there. I've just noticed that I'm doing it much more consistently. So please don't miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts. On top of the 14-day free trial, get over 60% off your subscription for a limited time only at activation.com slash almost 30. Literally, there is no risk. If you change your mind and forget to cancel after the trial, you're covered by their money back guarantee. The offer is only available through their website, not on the app store. So that's activations.com slash almost 30 for 60% off. It expires soon. Can you talk a little bit about the relationship between like the nervous system and sexuality and sex and pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, our nervous system is made up of, you know, three unique parts. We've got the sympathetic nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system, and the enteric nervous system as part of our autonomic nervous system. And when those are in sync, right, when the sympathetic and parasympathetic are jiving with each other, we're in what's called our window of tolerance. And for most people, that's where they feel really great. That's where they feel focused. They can concentrate. They feel aligned, grounded. And it's in that space where the majority of people feel open to sex. Some people, when their nervous system starts to tick upward and they get a bit hyper aroused in their nervous system, they actually want sex more because sex gives them that boost of neurochemicals that calms and regulates their nervous system. So it can be you know, a bit exciting for them to have sex when they're anxious or scared or fearful. And Is that other, a normal response? It can be. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, conversely, some people, when they get anxious, their sexuality or their desire just shuts off. Mm-hmm. They want nothing to do with sex. That's also normal, right? We are completely diverse creatures. And so at different times in our lives, we may react differently to changes in our nervous system and how it affects arousal. And we may not, we may be fairly static in that way in terms of what turns us on and what shuts us down. And what would you say to someone who feels that like shame around how their anxiety influences their sex drive? Is there a way to kind of regulate in the moment or is it a matter of communicating with your partner? First of all, I I would invite anybody who's feeling shame around something that their body is doing to examine where that shame comes from. And so often it comes from an expectation that we have on ourselves about what we should or should not be feeling or doing. And as long as everybody involved is providing affirmative consent, there's no wrong way to be sexual, right? And I think that's a really important Mm -hmm. thing to note. And also, if you're not feeling sexual, that's okay, Mm -hmm. right? You never have to apologize for not wanting to be into it in that moment. So the shame piece, I think, is a really interesting piece to sit back and disentangle a bit because usually we feel a pressure to be or act or feel or be sexual in a certain way. And when we can get some distance, then we can make space and give ourselves permission for whatever is our reality and advocate with our partner for what we need in a way that feels a lot more authentic and actually gets us closer to getting our needs met. Mm -hmm. And I was just saying, your voice is so amazing. And it's actually when I first, when we met you at the House of Wise, party. It was like what I thought about you where you're so in your body. Hmm. And I think that's such a, when you have 
or have done the embodiment work that you have done. Mm. It's like, that's such a result of that. And then the voice comes through so much clearer mm. for those that I know that are really embodied because it's almost like the voice is coming from like deep inside the belly. Mm-hmm. What are your, like, what's been your embodiment experience or journey? Because I think a lot of our listeners are women that would like to feel more embodied, Mm -hmm. would like to feel more confident, would like to feel more present, but are having a hard time navigating it with the world today? Such a great question. And first, I want to say that, you know, an embodiment practice is a practice, right? It's not something that we just do once and then poof, the light switch is flipped and we're embodied forever. It's ongoing. And My journey has been really long in that with periods where I'm really active and periods where my practice wanes. But I really started to think about being more embodied many years ago when I first started grad school. So around 2005, 2004, 2005, I started doing yoga and yoga for me became a a surprise home. I had no idea that I would feel the way I would feel in my body. And I had no idea how dissociated I was in my body. So yoga gave me a place to really be curious about everything going on in my body and and in my mind in reaction to it. And I think that's really the gift of any embodiment practice, whether you practice qigong or tai chi or yoga or stretching or any kind of Pilates or just anything that gives you the opportunity for slowness and stillness in your body because you develop what's called interoception. And interoception is the perception of what's internal, right? And that's the gift of embodiment that allows us to become so empowered from within because we learn how to discern all of our body's cues and make sense of them. And so, you know, my, my practice with yoga has evolved for many, many years. I eventually went on and got a yoga teacher certificate and taught in the prison systems for many years and developed my dissertation around the use of certain kinds of yoga for the treatment of sexual trauma. And it's been a really active part of my life, you know, throughout my whole adulthood, really. Mm. What's happening when someone is kind of becoming disembodied or like leaving their body? Is there something happening nervous system wise, emotionally Mm -hmm. that you can explain? Yeah, the, the short answer is that it's protection in the moment, right? When we dissociate, when we leave our body or when we check out, even if it's not so extreme as to become derealized or depersonalized, What we're really doing is keeping ourselves safe from an experience of integration because for whatever reason, it doesn't feel okay to be in our body. That might be because of what's happening in the here and now, or maybe because of what happened some other time in our history. But our body says, yikes, and our brain goes, no problem, I'll take you out of that (laughs) and Mm -hmm. helps us just distract. So we can, we can dissociate or distract in lots of different ways through numbing out, through actually leaving our body through being really distractive and compulsive in an activity. Yeah, I feel like if in sex, it's like something that I think happens for a lot of women. It's, you know, in the far end where it's like the traumatic response. But then also it's like, I feel like what I'm hearing from my friends in my community is that they're becoming less and less interested in sex. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it has to do with the modern life. And I'm curious if you're hearing that as well with women. And what is the conversation that you think we should be having or that you're having with your clients? 
I'm hearing a few different things. And, and to echo that, yes, I am hearing that a lot of women, a lot of straight cisgender women are having a big shift within their relationship with sex for a couple of reasons. So what I'm hearing a lot of from women right now is an assessment of contentment in their relationships, a reevaluation of roles at home, because I think the pandemic, especially for people who have had children at home, really shed a lot of light on disproportionate roles in terms of emotional and domestic labor. And that has created a movement where a lot of women are just sort of like saying, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. And do I even have the energy for this right now? And if I don't, I've got to preserve what little energy I have just to get through the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it feels like. It's like, especially for the women of our community, they're working. They maybe have a side hustle. They maybe Mm -hmm. have their passion projects. They have their self-care routine. They have their friendship relationships. Mm -hmm. Then they have their intimate relationships. And then they have whatever, all these things. And then there's like the sex life kind Mm -hmm. of falls to the wayside because it feels like something you have to do. And I think a lot of it is really like us not having a a really healthy relationship with sex anyways, Mm -hmm. where we're not really seeing that this could be something for me mm-hmm. or this could be something that's de-stressing me or, you know, really giving to me. I think women sort of are still in the mindset of seeing it as it that it's something for a man. Do you experience mm-hmm. that? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. So many women are unconsciously conditioned to believe that their sexuality, their sexual pleasure is in service of someone else's. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily know that many people walk around consciously saying that, but there is this implicit message that says, you know, I should give sex to my partner. I should do this for him. I need to have an orgasm so that he feels good about himself. So when you factor that into the way we prioritize sex, it's no wonder that it's one of the things that comes off of our to-do list, you know, as quickly as it can. But I think when you kind of redefine your relationship with sex and start with introducing more solo sex so that you do derive the pleasure and the focus. Mm-hmm. That can be a really big gift. And then if you choose to bring that energy back to your partner, great. Mm-hmm. If not, okay, maybe it's just for you right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's so much with expectations mm-hmm. around sex that I yeah. think can really stop us from exploring something mm-hmm. like that because just putting thoughts in people's heads, but kind of what I maybe like past Lindsay might have thought, well, if I'm finding pleasure by myself and not necessarily giving myself a chance to have an orgasm with my partner, how is that going to affect their relationship? Is that normal? And so having these expectations around like every time I have sex, I should be like feeling amazing or Mm -hmm. every time that we have sex, we need to actually finish or climax. Mm -hmm. It's like, having all of these expectations I've found over the years have really kind of like blocked me Mm -hmm. from feeling pleasure in ways that I didn't expect. Mm -hmm. And I think part of how I've been able to like navigate recently is like the communication piece. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious too, if like within, you know, the last almost two years of what we've experienced with the pandemic, like, I also feel like the throat chakra of women is being activated, Mm -hmm. not only like whether it's in our relationships, but just like in the world as like the feminine of the earth, like Mm -hmm. really taking care and seeing things in a way that maybe not the collective can see it. And I even think just like within my relationship, just being able to communicate about certain things that either I'm not sure of, I don't know what my needs are in certain ways. Can we talk about it? Has given me like a little 
different perspective of mm-hmm. like, oh, the, our sex life can always be evolving and changing. Mm-hmm. And like, it just allows the expectations to kind of fall and take yeah. a rest mm-hmm. and it become like this alive thing. Yeah. When you're when you're coaching couples on communication, what do you see as like the biggest blocks or challenges within those relationships? Most of the time, the biggest blocks are that people don't know how to communicate their needs in a way that doesn't hurt their partner. And and that's... I could only imagine. <laughs> but you're like, hey, we can't start with that. <laughs> you're like, well, he's just like an asshole. You're like, okay, well, maybe let's not name call. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, people wait too long to get into couples therapy. So by the time they get into it, they are raw nerves and everything they say with each other is tough to hear. Mm -hmm. And it's not coming out gracefully because they often have waited so long that they feel fear, resentment. It may be the last straw to save their relationship. So there's a ton of pressure in terms of how is this going to go and what does it mean if it goes this way or that way? So if you're listening to this, one thing I might encourage you to do is if you're thinking about couples therapy, get in sooner rather than later. And if your partner's the one dragging their feet, have them listen to this podcast Mm -hmm. and (laughs) it'll be fun. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's a lot less expensive than divorce and it usually ends with a better result. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think people really struggle and not only are there real time difficulties that couples are navigating, but When we're living in a climate that is so uncertain, it activates people's trauma. So whatever you have had going on in your life up until now is also probably very alive and is at the table demanding to be attuned to. And so I think couples who address those needs in a way that's really delicate together with intention to be present and provide relief with each other as they're going through this really difficult time and difficult conversation. Those are the couples that really fare well. I just want to sit on the conversation between you and him on not being attracted to women that are pregnant because I think for a lot of women, when things happen in the bedroom, we take it very personally. He can't get hard if he's Mm -hmm. not into period sex, if he's not Mm -hmm. into all of these things. So how have you been able in your life to, and that's why I love, I love watching you and Jared's videos when Jared's in, like it's, it just fucking, he just cracks me up. So (laughs) how do you pull that apart from like being something that's defining you as a person and your attractiveness, but a conversation about preferences and like things and making it less personal? It is deeply personal. But I have to also acknowledge that the other side of me not making myself available to that information is being in the dark. And nothing hurts more than that, where I know something is different because, you know, you're so plugged into your partner, especially Jared and I work together and we live together and we create a life together. So there's not a lot of space for us to conceal how we feel. And neither one of us are Leonardo DiCaprio, not a great actor. If you're not into the sex, I'm going to know. But if I don't create the space for you to explain why, then I'm in this weird void of trying to fill in the gaps for myself, which actually might lead me to a darker truth that's not representative of his feelings. So I knew that even though he was saying things to me that were hard to digest and were hurtful in many ways, I had to create the space for it because I wanted that honesty. And then through those dialogues of us putting it on the table, we could figure out, well, what are we going to do about it? And what we did about it was like, 
okay, well, those are your feelings. Those are completely valid. However, I still have to have sex because the way that this prolactin works, like the way that I want to like get out this baby out of me, like it's still important. And also too, like orgasm was a way for me to alleviate a lot of discomfort Mm -hmm. in my body. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mind you, the womanizer became my best friend. Like the past couple of weeks, I was like, you know what? I can't even rely on you anymore. (laughs) You come when you come, but I'm coming with or without you. So that became a thing too of like me reclaiming a lot of my like masturbation time because we had different priorities during that time. Mm. But it, yeah, it was definitely a tough thing. And we had put out a video where we talked about that. And it was interesting because like, he got really judged for being vocal about that. It's like as much as sometimes people's truth is inconvenient. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we can acknowledge that. Yes. But what's on the other side of it? Yeah. You can't force yourself to like something that you yes. don't. You totally. can reframe it in your brain. But even through the reframing, you're aware that I'm consciously reframing this. Yeah. I think it's an interesting thing. I mean, because if we were said with women, women have preferences and we want this, people will be like, oh yeah, women have preferences. But if a man has a preference, you're like, what? Men like to fuck everything. You know, it's yes. kind of that mm-hmm. concept yes. and idea mm-hmm. too, where you're For like, sure. you're not going to just fuck anything. Oh, we're like offended. Like there's that, which I don't think is fair. Mm-hmm. It's not fair at all. Because on the flip side, if I said, I'm not into pregnancy sex and I'm turned off by you Mm -hmm. right now during this time, people would be like, oh, of course. Of course. That makes perfect sense. Yes. And nobody would have a thing to say about it. Yes. I mean, mind you, like I said, even though we felt what we felt, he still listened to what my body's needs were and was like, I'm going to be a participant. I'm going to let you know that I may not be the one initiating Mm -hmm. because it's not pulling me in the way Mm -hmm. it used to. Mm -hmm. And so that was the the kind of negotiation that we had. I mean, it's worth talking about. Obviously, the person can't be mean or malicious about it. Of course. And that's a big thing. Because I will say that, like, a big thing for me during pregnancy, too, is I was working on a show at the time. And I was getting changed four times a day because we shot 250 episodes. Thank you. But unreal. the constant commentary on my body mm. was overwhelming. Every outfit that you put on, oh, it's tight here. It's pulling here. Oh, this. And every time you walked out, oh, look at the belly. Look at this. Look at that. Oh, you've grown. It was just constant commentary mm. and nitpicking on my body. And so I think six months pregnant, Jared told me my breath was smelling weird. I can't tell you how much that crushed me. Oh, like, I think I slept apart from him for like four days because I'm like, I just can't, I can't be looked at anymore. I don't want to be judged. I don't want anybody around me who's going to be assessing and judging mm-hmm. and just constantly just mm-hmm. being like, well, how is her body different? How is it mm-hmm. responding? So yeah, it definitely was, it was hard. And I think that that was a good lesson for him because maybe you could have that truth, but sometimes also too, it's like the suck it up factor mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Of like, how important is it for me to share this and at what cost? Yes. Yeah, I was going to ask you about your relationship with your body. Did you have a conversation with Jared before you guys got pregnant around just, I know you didn't know exactly because this is your first time being pregnant, but like the changes in your body that were going to occur and just kind of what to expect or like how you guys would stay in communication or what did that look like? Yeah, I struggle not to talk. I think some people have the other problem, but especially what I do for a living. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is, oh my God, I'm like on the ground <laughs> research. Yeah. I'm like, getting this to, is a video idea. This is amazing. <laughs> Everything. So I was like thrilled. I'm like, oh, we get to experience new things mm-hmm. and learn and new information. And I 
actually was thinking the other day because I have had every conversation possible with Jared. Yes. What would you do if we broke up? What would you do if we were unicorns? What would you do? What was the first time you thought that you loved me when you knew I was your wife? Every question possible. What was your best orgasm? So sometimes like I run out things. I'm like, <laughs> what other question can I ask? You know, like what was the best blowjob I've ever given before? What was your favorite meal with it together? And that was like all this fresh material, like all oh, so oh, many new God. topics. So I really loved, I think that that part of it and I leaned into it. I find that I have the opposite problem of having to scale back because even now I'm breastfeeding and Jared doesn't interact with my breasts the way that he used to because he characterizes them as like Ryu's boobs. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of bizarre because of the milk coming out. And then mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. I know I have milk stains on my bra right now, which means they probably have milk taste on them, even if I'm not lactating at the time. But I was like, I want you to look at them as sexual because on top of that, they're phenomenal. I know, yes, I was going to say. They're juicy, licious. like, what do you mean? I pumped just before <laughs> too. If I didn't, you'd see. They're phenomenal. They're- so I'm like, and I'm, plausibly, my boobs are not going to be the same after I stop breastfeeding. They're going to be deflated and mm-hmm. just very different. Now is the time to do all the titty things. Yeah. Like we had for our first time, titty fucking was when I was pregnant. So yeah. I'm like, they can go together now. That was not possible. Yeah. So you don't want to hit our daughter's head, but yeah. I'm going to yeah. do yeah. another one. <laughs> like, it makes sense to me. And so he's like not interested. But I also noticed that I overshare about my breastfeeding experience with him. Like, mm. oh, the ache or the discomfort. Yeah. Look at this new bump on my nipple that I got. Like, look at this new thing. Like, every time that I had an experience, I wanted to share, but I was like, how can I ask him to sexualize them? But I'm constantly reminding him of the other duties that my boobs have. This brings up a, just a question around, like, because of the nature of what you do and the content that you create and just the fact that you are such an inquisitive and open person in the relationship, do you feel like, it doesn't allow him the room to maybe explore that for himself to be more of that. I'm mm-hmm. asking because mm-hmm. I, I experience that sometimes in my relationship where like, I feel like I'm more vocal, like in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm just not, that's just not me. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if I pulled back, would it allow more space for mm-hmm. him to be more of that? And we've talked about it, but I don't know if that's, mm-hmm. I don't think it would, but I'm just curious about that, like the balance or the mm-hmm. lack thereof, whether like pulling back would maybe shift how Jared would approach some of these things. I don't know. Yeah. I think, you know, what's fascinating is this is, you guys don't make content together, right? You no. Your partner. He's very private. Girl, you better force that shit on because you know what was, right. that's yeah. been a saving grace, I think, because I created mm-hmm. a platform yeah. where his voice was necessary. Mm-hmm. And so it's necessary for him to share his perspective by virtue of that we're creating things for each other. So I think without that piece, yes. it might've been like, this is a you thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, that's such a good point. Show him the check. Right, show him the show check. Show him the check. You got to tell him about the pre and You got to show him about the cars. You got to tell him about the data and the check. <laughs> that's how you get him in. It's interesting thing about the not wanting to have sex when pregnant and also to your boobs. And I think men have this fear of that like primal instinct sometimes, like where it's like, oh, I'm going to hit the baby. You know, they like, it's almost like a good guy complex where it's like, I don't want to hit the baby or I don't want to use the boobs in a way that's disrespectful because now this beautiful being is using them. Mm. And I love this person. I don't want to like say these things to her that are like raunchy and dirty. And Mm -hmm. there's like a compartmentalization that men sort of do with women and things that they love, where it's almost like the primal aspects and elements are saved for like 
One night stands. One night stands. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Or I guess it's like the Madonna horror complex. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's a little bit of Oedipus in there too. Of like, you know, resisting the urge to sexualize your mom. And as a result, just like completely putting it like moms are not sexual Mm -hmm. ever in any capacity at all. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. What a juicy episode. And if you love this one, share it with a friend. I think this is how we've grown the show. And it's just such a pleasure to receive a podcast when someone's thinking of you. If you're like, hey, we were talking about how you're not really interested in sex. This might help you. Or hey, we were talking about that hilarious time in our lives when we were performative. Or hey, we were talking about what it's like to have sex on your period or pregnancy. I thought of you. So definitely share this with a friend. It's such a sweet thing to do. Also really appreciate when you subscribe and review to the show. It just means a lot to Lindsay and I and our community. We have everything at almost30.com, our courses, our programs. More information about Lindsay and I, our amazing partners, and the links for those are all located there as well. And then Almost 30 Podcast on Instagram and TikTok if you want more. And if you have a topic that you would like to have us collect some clips around, we would love to hear from you. So DM us on Instagram at almost30podcast. All right, y'all. We will see you on the next episode. We love you. Bye. Bye.